Good morning. It's great to see all of you today. Well, let me just say, if you're new here to Crosstown, things are a little bit different than what you normally experience. Um, I guess if you wanted to experience what you normally experience, you wouldn't be here at Crosstown. So there's a little bit of logic for you. Um, but we want you to discover in the middle of if it's done differently, if it's sung differently, if it's taught differently, if it's celebrated differently, I want you to know that it's the same faith, the same God, the same Lord and Savior overall who is Jesus Christ, and we are celebrating him here today. I also want to let you know we just finished our seven days of prayer, which was a really great time. It was, what we did is we just opened up the church, 6 a.m., we got together, we just prayed for all your prayer requests that came in through the web, that came in through our prayer requests, and we had over 200 prayer requests and beginning to hear that God has moved in people's lives in those prayer requests, but it really is good to just take some time at the beginning of the year to kind of refocus, redial in, recalibrate your life, and, and I just want to let you know that we're redialed we're re in here at Crosstown, and I can say even personally in my own life, um, you say, oh, Pastor, you pray all the time, you do it. No, I don't. You know, I, I'm not praying all the time. I mean, I'm just a regular Joe, and I struggle with it just as much as everybody else does. And I tell you, it's really nice to have uh, God recalibrate my life. And uh, so we've been going into this series talking about reimagining. And if, if you've been coming to Crosstown, you may know this, but most of the things that God gives me to talk about are, are not downloaded from the web. Um, they're, they're not things that I am highly proficient at. I mean, so I may talk about something that I'm not good at yet, and uh, Reimagining is one of those series that I was in a particular place in my life, and a, a particular trial of my life, and uh, that has kind of forced me to reimagine what my life would be like. Uh, a lot of you know that I had a, a spine injury that, that has kind of taken me out of sports and all the things that I love, and in just a matter of one accident, all that stuff was taken away from me, and, and it's been the last six months I've been trying to deal with pain and reimagine what my life is. So, so God has been taking me on a personal journey. And um, what that does is, one, it, 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 makes this, it makes it real for me, but also you can test whether or not it's working or not based upon whether or not is this guy happy or is he angry? What's he, is he giving up? Or, you know, so I'm here to tell you that as I'm walking on this trail of journey with God, that let me encourage you to come along with me and we'll learn together. We don't have all the answers. We haven't all got it all figured out. Don't go to a church that's got it all figured out. Just, you know, we're just kind of working together. So in the process of reimagining, uh, what we've learned is that life is like a, a trail hike, and you get on some trails and you stay on those trails. I mean, when, when you react certain ways, um, when, when things happen to you, you your mind kind of goes into a way of thinking like a trail that, that you've taken before. And when you see a certain kind of person, you imagine an outcome and you take that trail. When an event occurs to you, pain or success, or you tend to take that trail and, and you go on that hike. Some of the trails that our minds take, our imaginations take, are trails that were developed through habit. Some of them are trails that maybe our parents taught us that this is the way that we should respond in certain situations or think. For some of us, the imagination of our mind is governed by how old we are or what society says that you should be thinking in this particular moment or this phase in your life or in this difficulty of your marriage or in this particular situation medically. And so we're kind of on these hiking trails and we've created all these trails, but God wants to change our perspective. He wants to invite us to a new trail. 
He wants us through his promises, and that's what they are in the scripture. The promises of God are invitations for us to take a trail of certainty that will provide us with a new outcome to our lives. He wants us to reimagine our lives. He wants us to think differently about our lives. He wants us to kind of take a, a, a new hike. And, and for a lot of us, we've been told that our, our lives will never be more than what they are currently. And so God is inviting us out onto the trail. And he's like, listen, walk in my promises and you'll begin to experience something different. You know, I, I think I went looking for Christianity and, and at times I still kind of hope it would be true, but it doesn't seem to be true, is that Christianity is a divine wand waving. You know, that Christianity is God just kind of waving the wand of blessings and all of the blessings kind of float down like fairy dust on your life and everything's fixed, no pain, no, you know. And, it, and, and then if that fairy dust stuff doesn't happen, if we pray once for something or if we believe God for a second and it doesn't happen, we, we tend to get um, disconcerted. We tend to lose traction in life. We tend to, to get lost and uh, disappointed with God. But the, most of the promises of God are invitations to journey with God, to cooperate with God. That as we walk with God, that God says, if you'll take a journey with me, I will begin to unfold promises in your life. Things that you're going to like. Now, they may not be exactly the things that you asked for. They'll be better than the things that you asked for. And the outcome of your life will be the way that I intended it to be. And so God, God invites us out on the trail. But he's like, listen, I'm going to need you to do some hiking. You know, I'm just not going to give you a view of the top of the Tetons without you deciding that you're going to go into the forest and take the journey on the path that I've designated so that you can experience the blessing of seeing this new view for your life. So that's what the promises of God are. They're kind of invitations to reimagine with divine authority, with, with divine certainty. You know, it's not just like a product that says, you know, if you use this and put your, you know, uh, put this on your beard, you will be the man that you always thought you were. Because you put something on your beard, all of a sudden your imagination of what it is to be a man is fulfilled. I mean, anybody really think that product works? You know, uh, but it doesn't really work. But when the promises of God have certainty to them, they are trails that God invites us to walk and to, to walk with him. So we jumped into a story about a guy named Abraham. Um, he was a poor mountaineer who could barely keep his family fed. I'm sorry, I won't finish the rest of that song. But you remember Abraham. And the reason why I like Abraham so much is that he is, um, he's 75. And it's like, well, you know, why are you like that? It's like, because everybody says you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Everybody in America thinks 75 is time for you to shove off, get out of the way. You know, thank you for paying your social security to know, uh, you know, uh, into the system and, and dedicating to that. But now it's time for you to move out of the way and make it. Life is for the younger people. And, and we don't need the 75-year-olds in the way except for at Walmart. And so um, I love 75. And I know if you're 75 right now, you're like an inch away from the door, aren't you? I mean, it's like, you son of a gun talking about, hey, I'm in my 60s, and it doesn't feel too much different at 60. Um, but what I love about this guy is that for whether you're 75 or 17, that it doesn't matter how long you've been journeying in your life, that God invites you into an, uh, out to a new trail, 
a new experience. Your life's not over just because you're coming out of a certain kind of family, because you're a certain color, because you're a certain gender, because you've had a certain experience, or you struggle with a certain kind of problem, or because you have a certain kind of ailment in your body, that your life is not over. It's not done just because you're in that particular place. So God says, Abraham, would you be interested in taking a journey, taking a different path other than everybody else? And here's how it was, was spoken to Abraham in Genesis 12:1. And the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. And Abraham's at this point in his life, he's like, okay, so what do I got to do, God? He's, God's like, okay, I want you to partner with me. I want you to cooperate. I'm not going to make you great staying where you are. It's like, I know that's what America wants. God, just bless America, but let us stay just as we are. You know, it's absolutely ridiculous. But God's like, listen, I'm not going to bless you, make you great where you stay and where you are. I will make you great and bless you, all the things you want, but you got to journey with me. You got to get up and you got to go. You got to take the journey. And so Abraham does. And that, that's just such a cool thing that no matter what age, no matter which situation, that God invites us to be a, be a part of this journey. So the years go by, and Abraham continues to follow God. So he's out there, he's walking through the desert and arid areas and spaces, and, and uh, he experiences some difficulties while he's there. That surprises us sometimes, too, if we're walking in God's will. We tend to think that nothing goes wrong. You know, Abraham's life, that's not the case. Abraham's out there. He kind of messes up with his wife a little bit. He doesn't cheat on her, but he, he does, comes up with a cockamamie scheme to trick somebody else, and he does it twice. It's ridiculous. And so he kind of messes up there at home, and, and then he messes up with some of his family, and then his family gets in a fight with another family, so they go to war, and so they got a whole war that takes place. And so, you know, Abraham's life is, is kind of messy, even though he's in the journey of God. Again, this is why I love, I love Abraham. It's because his life is messy. And, and, and in the Bible Belt, we tend not to have room for messy people, do we? You know, it's like, well, if you're a real Christian, you would not have a struggle with this, or you would not do that. Well, they must not believe in God. You know? But I love it because Abraham's walking with God, and he has real, genuine struggles in his life. The next time we come across him in the story, we find him in what I'm calling a tenting moment. I don't know if you're a tent person, but I'm a, I'm a tent person. I come from a, a family of a bunch of kids. There was nine of us children. And so um, what Pop used to do, I don't know if it was economics or passion. I think it was passion for him. He used to take us camping all the time. And he had one of those giant gray tents, tents from Sears and Roebuck you know, uh, with a lifetime guarantee, with the poles and the everything. And it was huge. I mean, you, you, you could get everything in that, that. But he used to take us to Bahaba, Maine all the time. And, and up in uh, Bahaba, there's Acadia National uh, Forest, and we would camp there. And we'd go to Nova Scotia and uh, visit there and uh, wave at the Canadians. And uh, it was just, you know, that's what we did as a family. And we would do it for a week. We'd, so we'd We'd get there, we'd put out the stakes, and we weren't allowed to have fun. He was a World War II guy. We weren't allowed to have fun until the tent was up, 
And he had like a, his old like uh, trench digging uh, shovel. I wish I knew where that was from World War II that he took off a dead German, you know, and, and he'd be like, Paul, here's a shovel. We used it in World War II. Now dig a trench around the tent, you know? And it's like, oh my goodness. So we're out there digging trenches around the tent and, and everything got put in place. And, and we'd be out there. It'd be great. And it was a good camping experience. And, uh, you know, a tent moment can be a time of rest. It, it can be a time of just getting away way, and um, Abraham finds himself in one of these tent type of moments. Uh, he's, for him, it's part of this nomadic uh, tribal way of living life. He's on this journey with God, and so, so he's got everything with him, you know, so he's, he's traveling, he's, he's got everything with him, and he's, he's taking this journey with God, and he's in a tent moment, so that means that there's a lot of hammering going on on the outside and fires are getting lit and, and kids are being fed and getting ready for supper and, and animals are being tied up and fed and taken care of and uh, posts and everything are being put in place and the tent is being trenched out just in case there's a, a late rain. And, um, and, and he's in one of these moments where what I would say is that the, the, the journey has uh, not stopped, but the momentum of the journey has paused. And so Abraham finds himself um, beginning to think about the challenges of the last couple of weeks, last couple of years. He's sitting inside of his tent and kind of thinking over his life and where he's going, because that's what happens in a tent moment. And, and um, so he has this thing that's going on inside of his head, and he's, he's starting to let his imagination get the best of him. And I don't know if you're like that, but if you ever let your imagination get the best of you, where maybe you get to a quiet place, or you get to a place in your life where all the motion stops in your life, and you begin thinking about, where am I at with my life? And, and this is where Abraham finds himself. Let me read you the story as it continues out of Genesis. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision while he's in the tent, and I'll read the whole story, and I'll, we'll go back and grab some things. Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, but your very own son shall be your heir. And the Lord brought him outside and said, Look towards the heaven, number the stars, if you are able to number them. And then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. Now, the reason why I love this story, I mean, it just screams at me. And I think it's going to really speak to you. And like I said, not everything that I say on a Sunday morning makes sense. Not everything I say on a Sunday morning is all right. Um, maybe not everything that I say on a Sunday pertains to your life. This story hits everybody. I mean, we're, you're just going to, there's going to be a part in this story where it's just, going, it's just going to speak to you. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey, whether you're older, young, divorced, married, single, whether you're sick or healthy, successful or uh, failure-ridden, it, it, it won't matter. This story 
is powerful and it's going to speak to you. Uh, my first takeaway from the story is what God says first to Abraham while he's sitting inside of his tent, and his tent's a lot larger than my tent, but he's sitting inside of his tent and he's evaluating his life. He's thinking about all the things that have been going on. He's imagining, you know, probably the worst. You know, he's, he's just come through some wars and he's looking at what his future looks like. And we've seen a little bit of it. He's not really too happy about where his life is going. And, and so the Lord begins to just speak to him. And I, I love what it says. That the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision and said, Hey, fear not. I, I, I know you're all stressed out. I know you're afraid. Um, I know you're wondering where this is all going. He says, but I'm here to tell you that I will be your shield. I'll protect you. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to pay off. It, maybe it doesn't look like that right now. And, and, um, but that's what you say, well, that's, you just added a lot to what the scripture said. Well, when God says, fear not, I am in your shield and your reward will be very great. You just fill in the gaps. I mean, that's, that's an amazing statement to be made to us from God. But what I love about it so much is that I've always been berated because I have a hard time believing in God. You know, it's like, Pastor Paul, are you still struggling with that? Pastor Paul, I have a hard time believing this. Pastor Paul, don't you believe in healing? Pastor Paul, don't you, you know, you know why are you always studying science? Pastor Paul, why do you always, have, and God is like, listen, hey, I'm not saying that to you. I know you're afraid, Paul, and I just want to let you know I got this. So wherever you are in your life today, I want to let you know two things. God does not mock you because you're afraid. God doesn't mock you because you doubt. God doesn't mock you because you're looking around and you're not sure about where your life is going. And you don't see it, but God wants to let you know, I got you. Okay? And, and, I, and Abraham's the father of our faith according to the book of Romans. You know, so it makes me feel really good that if you're in one of those valley moments, you know, uh, kind of like an oscilloscope, if, you have, if you're in that point where in one of those low valleys where you're having a hard time believing God and you're afraid and all that stuff, it's like, hey, welcome to the journey of faith. That doesn't mean you're out of the faith. And it's not something to be ashamed of. And not only that, God wants to tell everybody here today, he's got you. He's got you even if you don't see how it's going to work out in your life. But Abraham is in the tent, and this whole scenario, this whole thing is, so he's sitting inside of his tent, and he starts evaluating what he has and what he doesn't have. Remember um, that Abraham's got all of his stuff with him. You know, this isn't, uh, this isn't middle-class America where you can rent a storage unit and then keep all your crap in the storage unit and then, you know, go off and take a trip and come back and get your stuff after you're finished with your trip. Inside of his tent is all of his stuff. So it's kind of like this tent becomes this, this like metaphor of Abraham's life, the experiences, his past, what he's won at, what he's lost at, who he's chosen to live with. All that stuff is inside of his tent and he's sitting there in the middle of his tent and he's beginning to look around. You know, he's beginning to look around, and, and he begins to see what he's accomplished, what he's got with him. So, so listen to what, how Abraham responds to God. He says, O oh Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless, 
and the heirs of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you haven't given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be in my heir. That's not how they did it back then. They, they kind of, the, the heir would be the, the child that, that you had, and God had promised him that he would have a child. And, and so, but Abraham's in this place in his life where he's beginning to look around, and he's beginning to evaluate what has he got, the stuff in his life. Have you ever gotten there? I don't know what age it happens. It happens multiple times in your life. When you get into the tent of your life and you, and you begin to look around at the stuff, your experiences, good and bad, failures, victimizations, illnesses, they're all in the tent with you. The, the broken relationships, they're all in the tent with you. The person that you chose to be married to, they're all in the tent with you. Have you ever gone to a place where you began to look around? and, well, and, and it's, I think it's kind of funny because um, he, 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 says, uh, he says, God, do you see what I have to work with? Eliezer of Damascus. You know, remember he's talking to God, and Eliezer of Damascus is right over there. And can you imagine, God, you see the schmuck over here. You know, I mean, it's like, you see what I got to work with. I could see Eliezer looking over him and saying, you know, I can hear you. You know, I, I hear what you're saying about me. You know, and, and I know I hear this more from women than I do from guys. Uh, it's not because it, it only works that way, but I just hear it more often. Is that sometimes a, a wife will get 10 years into a marriage and all of a sudden look around and looks at her husband and says, you know, he's not picking up his underwear, he's, he's not painting the bedroom, and he, he always disappears with the golf clubs and the, the fishing rod, and, and it's like, uh, all of a sudden, it's like, uh, is this what I got to work with? I mean, is this the guy? You know, and, and a lot of us, we begin to look around at our careers, and it's like, is, is this it? Is this what defines me? These life experiences... Are these the parents that I have? Is this the victimization? All of that stuff gets inside of our tent, and we all have tent experiences. It's not like this is unbiblical, you know? The, you know, the answer to this sermon is not to burn your tent, okay? Everybody has a tent, and we all have a life that we live in. But the idea is, is when we begin to look around that tent, how does it affect how our future is going to pan out? How, what do I got to work with? What do, I, what do I have here? What really works here? And for a lot of us, whether it's our finances, our marriages, our, our health, our, our past, our addictions, we just can't see past the tent. I mean, it, it's just like, I just can't see anything more than my bad marriage. I can't see anything more. For some of us, it may even be our successes. It may be that we succeeded in everything. But all you can see is your successes. And, and I will tell you, if you have success, that's cool and that's great. But now you're tasked with the tent uh, anxiety of how do I keep it? How do I keep it? How do I keep other people from taking it from me? Or how do I make sure I have enough put away so that the rest of my life will be surrounded by tents and, and by, by successes and not surrounded by the Eliezers of life that want to take stuff away from me? You know, every life has the challenge of what we see in the tent. So sometimes we get caught in it, and Abraham's in the tent, and he's like, is this it? 
It's like, I've been journeying with you, God. You haven't given me what I thought you were going to give me. You may be there. And I, I just, just doesn't seem like the life I, I wanted. So what does God do to help Abraham out? What does he do to help snap him out of this? Let me read it to you. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him in the tent and said, This man shall not be your heir, for your own son shall be your heir. And the Lord brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. See, God has to bring him outside to help him reimagine a different future than he's imagining himself. That's why I want you to realize that the tent is your mind's function of imagination. He has to get him out of his imagination. And we have all kinds of psychological disorders that occur in our lives because of the mismanagement of our minds, our emotions, and our, our imaginations. And some of us get caught in the tent of our imagination and, and we get stuck. We can't imagine a better life. We can't imagine uh, hope. We can't imagine it working out differently. The depression, the pain, the failure, whatever it may be, we just can't imagine it getting any better. And so the tent kind of represents his mind. And God's like, I got to get you out of your own head. Got to get you out of your tent. He said, I need to get you outside. So he takes him outside and he, and he points to, what he points to is a, um, a, a different ceiling. God knows that Abraham is stuck in his tent. His imagination is stuck. Ever been there? His perspective of the future is stuck. His evaluation of life is stuck in the tent. So God gets him out of the tent so that Abraham could raise the ceiling of his life. See, right now, in the tent, the ceiling of Abraham's life is only, what, 10 feet? He's not, he doesn't have a little pop-up tent. He has kind of like a 10-foot tent. But that's the ceiling of his tent. That's as far as he can see. And God says, listen, you know, in the promises of God, I change the ceiling of your tent. The, I change the ceiling of your past, your, your expectations, your imaginations. He's like, I, he's like, you're stuck, Abraham. I get it. So come on outside, and I'm going to show you a new ceiling. He says, I want to take you outside. And he goes, all right, the new ceiling is not that guy's tent. <laughs> That's America. God bless it uh, if America follows him. But, you know, that's, that's the tent. Is that I want to have a tent as high as his? Yeah, so he's got an 11-foot tent. Oh, an amazing 12-foot tent. You know, God's like, no, I'm not giving you that. I, I'm, I'm taking you outside. I'm, I say, see the stars in the heaven? Yeah, that's the highest canvas, the highest ceiling known to mankind. He's like, that's your ceiling now. That's, that's what the promises of God is. Okay, I want you to think like that. I, I don't want you thinking, I think, don't want you thinking 10-foot. It's like, wow. And, and I tell you, it's so easy to get stuck in the tent of our lives. We get caught with a low ceiling perspective. Um, we've been told sociologically or it's that you know, women can only go this far. 
Um, well, we've been told that if you're black, you can only go this far. We're told if you've been victimized, well, you're always going to be defined by your victimization. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody has a tent. It's our body of life. It's our work. It's our earth, you know? Um, and, and, and we all live in a tent. We all travel with our tent. It's not like that all just disappears. But God wants to change what it's like when we go back into the tent. But a lot of us have a low perspective of who we are. Well, I've been married three times. I'll never have a good marriage. I screwed up with my kids. I left them when I was young. Never have a good marriage. I mean, good relationship with them. Oh, your back's ruined, Paul. You'll never be a man again. You'll never be able to mountain bike. You'll never be able to load a boat onto a, a trailer. You'll never be able to, you know, and, and you know, uh, it, you get stuck in your tent. I got stuck in my tent this week. I do, I do good. Anybody that's got pain, you know, you have some good days, you have some bad days. And, and I had a bad day, and I drove home and laid on some ice and just laid there, curled up, and I just remembered just like, oh, this sucks. My life is so over. It is so done. Um, so I called one of my daughters, and I, all my daughters are great and could have helped me. This one I picked uh, for this moment was because she's, she's dealt with depression before. And, and so I'm like, isn't it great when you can be a dad? and you can go to your children for help. Okay, that's the life you want to build. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, that's, that's, you, want, you want that in your tent. And so, because you know that your kids may have more wisdom than you do. And so I, I called her and I'm like, Dad, I, said, I'm, I, I told her, I said, I'm so depressed, I can't get out of my tent. And, and um, she said, okay, you gotta, you gotta rent a movie. You can't just lay there. She goes, you got to rent Die Hard or something. You know, rent something. You, you just can't lay there being miserable. you got to put something else in your mind. And I'm like, wow, she's writing my sermon for me. You know, she, and it was like, but we get caught in our tents. You've been told you'll never amount to anything. Maybe your father did something to you or said something to you. Maybe your spouse left you. Maybe, maybe you did the thing yourself. Maybe you committed your own crime and you feel that you're doing the time. And that's all that will ever be in your life. You sinned and, and that's it. And God's making you pay for this for the rest of your life. Oh my word. Come on out of that tent. You thinking that way? It's toxic, man. I gotta, that, that tent's just supposed to keep the rain off of your head. You know, it's not supposed to be the definition of who you are. Your success is not the definition of who you are. It just keeps you dry. But come on out of that tent. I want to show you something more about life, or about your flawed definition of who you are. So today, I think God is calling every single one of us out of our tents. God wants to draw you outside of yourself. God is trying to help us see beyond our limitations, our failures in our past. He wants to see us beyond our Eliezer, poor guy. But, you know, but he wants us to see what we think we have to work with, God is like, yeah, I got, I got more for you to work with. I've got my word that I, I wanna, want you to come out and I want you to get my promises into your life. I want you to, to see what I have promised for you. I need you to come out of that. Why? Because I'll tell you this. When Abraham goes back into that tent, he still sees the Eliezer, still has a bad back, still has to pay his taxes, Still married to the same lady, still hasn't have a child with, with him yet that's born of his, his own body. But you know what? When he goes back in, he doesn't see just a tent anymore. 
Because now his imagination is not limited by what he sees. He's not limited by his limitations. He can begin to say, yeah, this is where I do life, but this is not the total definition of what life is about. And today God wants you to know that your life can go further than the tent that you're living in. So, as we enter into a personal moment with God, let me ask you this. Has life tented you? Has your life experiences tented you? Where you just can't get out? You know, it, are, you, are you stuck there? And God wants to let you know that that's not where your life ends. That may be where your life is lived, but I've got something more for you. I want to give you a new imagination, a new hope. Um, I, the pastor who mentored me in ministry, his name is Fred Richard, a highly successful pastor. He's a Texan, and, and I hesitantly say that he mentored me because I'm not sure he's totally pleased with what he produced. But, um, but he's, he started, he launched the team that started Seacoast. He launched this team. He launched a Somerville team, a, a Charlotte team, a, a, a Mount's Corner team. He, I mean, this dude is a, is a, a Jesus stud. Okay, he's an old Texan guy with boots and all that. No fancy frills. He probably would have never put a tent on his platform. Uh, probably would have never wore a fancy vest like this. But you know, um, but he was the real deal, real God, real man of God. And I got a call from him this week, and um, he had heard about my back, and he heard that I was having some hard times with it, and. And the reason why it was so significant to get a call from him, and here's a guy who's never drunk alcohol. He's probably never had a ticket in his life. Just a, I mean, he's the real deal. He's a man of God. You know, 75 years of age, but he's got Parkinson's. And it's kind of moved. It's hard to swallow. It's hard for him to walk, to do basic functions of life. And this guy's calling me? And then, you know, and part of me is like, well, I thought... You know, if, my, if I lived everything perfectly, I would not have Parkinson's. You know, I thought that kind of inoculated you from tent living. I thought everybody, we didn't have tents. It's like, no. He quoted me a scripture out of Job. He, he it kind of paraphrases this way. Shall we accept good from life from God and not also accept evil in life? I mean, I mean... Don't we realize that we get good things from God during our, our tent experience and, and that we get bad things from life with God in our tent experiences? He's like, you know, we've traveled too far with God to give up now. And so he told me, he said, people will say to me, I heard you're suffering with Parkinson's. And he said to me, he said, I tell him this, he said, I'm not suffering with anything. He said, I'm just walking through something with God. And I am like, who says that? Who talks like that anymore? I, and, and I was just so humbled. He said, what can you do, Paul? I said, well, I can walk a mile around my block. He says, I can't get even a mile. I do quarter miles max for me. And all of a sudden, perspective began to... And he's like, we believe in God, Paul. We believe that Jesus, through his death, unzipped the tent and then rose from the dead so that we could have new life. You know, and, and I was just humbled by this man of faith. 
But this is what Abraham needed. Needed to be reminded of life outside of the tent. I love what the Apostle Paul tells us and to every one of us. And it's one of the promises I want you to hold on to during this series. It comes to us from Ephesians 3.20. It's in your notes that you can download in the app. Um, But listen to this prayer about feelings, about a height of your tent. The Apostle Paul, who's been shipwrecked, bitten by snakes, thrown out of windows, stoned, I mean, just everything. He says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask and think and imagine. He's like, now to him who raises the ceiling on the limitations of our tent thinking. He says it's way bigger than what God's doing in your life than what you're evaluating right now. He said, now to him who's able to do far more than we think and imagine according to the power that's at work within us. See, that's what we got to get this work in us. Why? so we can take it back into the tent and give hope to all the other people who are stuck in their tent. And then we take them out and we show them the stars. Glory be to him in the church, the tent of God on earth, and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. Let me ask you, just encourage you, let him give you a new ceiling to your life by by asking him to give you his spirit, getting into his word, reading his promises. When was the last time you just took a walk? Well, that's not church world. Forget church world. When was the last time you just talked, took a walk by yourself and had a conversation with God? I, I encourage you, on the next clear day in Charleston, with the cold weather coming, it should happen real soon, probably tomorrow. Let me encourage you to go outside. You can pretend you're taking the trash out if you don't want to be embarrassed. But just go outside and just for a moment look up at the stars and then realize what the promises of God are for you, for each and every one of us. Yeah, you're going to have to go back in. You're going to have to live with the Eliezer's of your life. And you may be somebody else's Eliezer in their life. But you know, you go back in there, but go back in there with hope. And that's what, don't be defined by your tent, successfully or in failure. Allow God to speak into your life. As we move into this moment of expressions, which is a time of of communion, time of prayer, a moment with God, maybe pinning something to the cross or a prayer with one of our ministers, Let me just read to you the last thing that we're told in that story. And Abram believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It's like, Abraham believed God. Here's what amazes me about that. Abraham's been journeying with God for 20 years. And we never have that statement made. You know why that makes me so happy? Is that you can take a little bit of this and take a step. I'm not sure I believe it all. Okay, just let's take a walk. All right, I'll take a walk. Let's take a journey together. And something inside of Abraham begins to build. And there's still unbelief there and there's still some faith there. And, and, and so 20 years later on this journey, we finally have the statement as he's looking up at the stars and it says, 
it dropped into Abraham. So if you're, if, if you're having difficulty believing or you can only believe in a little, don't be ashamed of that. Take a step. Go on the journey. Get on the trail. It will increase. It will grow. And I love what God says to Abram. He said, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. That doesn't look significant to you, but here's what I know about that statement. Is that God never spoke to Abram when he was in Ur. It wasn't until he got to a later place that God speaks to him. So what does this mean? It means God's drawing you when you're not even bought in. When you're not even listening. God's already drawing you. He's already at work in your life, even when you don't even know it. He said, God, he says, Abraham, I was working in you and you were doing your own thing, but I was drawing you. He says, I am the God that, was, that brought you out to give you this land to possess. Faith is a journey and God invites you to take it. Whether you're at the beginning part where you decide to get up and go, or whether you're at the part right now where you're, God's like, wow, I want to show you something, and you're like, all right, I believe. Those two people who got baptized, they decided, yeah, all right, this is where I live, but this does not define me. Let me encourage you, when you come up for communion, you're going to take the bread, you're going to dip it in the cup. I want you to realize that the body of Christ is the tent. And when he was broken and crucified on the cross, it was the unzipping of the tent that he was no longer limited by his physical definition. And when he rose again from the dead, the promises of God became yes and amen to every one of us. So that you and I, while we live in the tent, can have the spirit of God, the spirit of resurrection, help us to see that my life is more than my tent. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for speaking to every single one of us, young or old. You invite us to see beyond the limitations, the success, the failures, the definitions of our past, the victimizations, the addictions, what our mom said, what our dad said, what the MRI said, God, you came that we may have hope and life and joy while living in the tent. But Lord God, you have promised us the fulfillment that is only represented by the stars. A hope whose ceiling we have yet to experience. Now to him who is able to do far beyond all that we think and imagine in my tent to him be glory according to the power that works inside my life so father in this moment we step out of the tent life we unzip through the body and blood of Jesus Christ to receive not only not only forgiveness but the power of resurrection let me invite you into this moment with God